Did you know that as a content creator, public speaker, and presenter, that you have 60 seconds to capture your audience or they're gone? The moment the audience member sits down, they're thinking, am I in danger? Am I in the right place? Should I be here? Is this for me? As a content creator and presenter, you should know your audience and the problem you're solving and why they are audiencing. Now stick around because we're talking with AWS Global Public Speaking Coach, Blaine Sundred on fine tuning your content and making it matter and we're not stopping there. Hi folks and welcome to the Daily Tech Show. I'm your host, John Meyer. And as a presenter and content creator, did you know you have less than 60 seconds to capture your audience? Which reminds me, I better hurry up. Joining us today is AWS Global Public Speaking Coach, Blaine Sundred, to help make our content matter, including some unedited feedback on the Daily Tech Show, and you won't believe what he has to say. Hit that like, subscribe, and the notification button because we got more awesome content on the way. Please join me in welcoming AWS Global Public Speaking Coach, Blaine Sundred, to the show. Blaine, thanks for joining us. Always glad to be here. Nice to talk with you. Yes, Blaine, before we jump into our topic, fine-tuning of making content matter to the audience, how about a little backstory about yourself and for those audience members who don't know you and all the content you create for AWS? Sure, yeah. No, I'm happy to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Some of you may have seen me in a variety of videos for AWS, but my story goes all the way back to starting out as a high school teacher. Uh, I, I serve as a high school teacher in the, the Western United States. Uh, I taught theater, film, uh, television, speech, debate. Uh, I, my degrees are in mathematics and theater. So I've kind of one of those weird in-between people that can, can live in, in all the different camps. Um, the, the problem with my life, I had a lot of fun teaching high school. The problem was I was teaching high school in the Western United States. It was Arizona. I, I won't tell you the number of how much I was making per year, but it was tragic. Um, there, there was no way I could afford to, to, to raise a family on that. Uh, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, I, I, from there, got my master's degree in computer science. Uh, I, I became a long-haired IT professional. And as you can see, that's a little different than I am today. Uh, I I worked in the newspaper software industry. So I I ended up going all around the world teaching different newspapers how to transform their content, uh, which was an amazing thing. And and again, I I love newspapers. I love the work they do for democracy all around the world. And those of you listening at home, how many of you have a daily print delivery subscription to a newspaper? I'm, I'm pretty sure that answer is the reason why I'm no longer in the newspaper industry. Uh, I, I keep picking these amazing jobs that just kind of dead ending. And I'm like, this is not going to happen to me again. So AWS came recruiting and they said, hey, you know technology, you know cloud, come, come and teach this uh, on our side. And I've, I've jumped the chance. So uh, about uh, seven and a half years ago, uh, I signed on with AWS with the training and certification department. Uh, From there, I started out as a technical trainer and trained pretty much the whole catalog, Uh, systems operations, security, databases, uh, data analytics, architecting, uh, the fundamentals classes. 
the only class I never taught out of the catalog was developing. Now I've got my developing cert, mind you, I've got the certs, uh, but that was only to prove that you could get the developing cert without being a developer, which is again, a different story for a different day. Um, it's not the case anymore. Developing cert's gotten much better, much more difficult. So, so don't take that as, as the current state, but uh, I, I never wanted to, to get to start to teach the developing class because having worked as a product manager and as an evangelist, I know the work developers go in. And while I can speak their language, I'm not a developer. And I, I never wanted to, to put myself out as someone I'm not, uh, which, which kind of has been the fun part of being for AWS, the chance to really explore all these different things. Uh, I, I had a chance to move over to the curriculum side and, and build curriculum and, and develop on-demand training. Uh, I've had a chance to work with the Deep Racer team uh, on both their launch and on their continuing progress. Uh, I, I've been able to uh, not only help them with uh, summit events, uh, I, I now call a lot of their races, their monthly races, uh, and, and get a chance to be involved in that community as well. Uh, throughout all of my time, at AWS, one of the big things I've been doing is not only the, the, my day job, but working on helping other public-facing presenters elevate their ability to speak publicly uh, to the point that right now, I, I recently changed over to the AWS global events team, and I am the global public speaking coach. So people that are going to speak at large events like reInvent and that have an opportunity to work with me or, or members of my team uh, to improve their content. Because what matters is you sitting at home, that you get the best experience from people at our summits. So that's where I am right now. Long journey, but that, that's the story. Blade, I got to tell you, I found out some really cool and interesting information about, about you. I did not know you were a teacher, by the way. I did not know it was in Arizona. Um, and then also I'd like everybody to comment down below. How many of you still have a physical newspaper? And I'm going to bet that I am going to get a lot of comments that say zero, yeah. uh, being that I do not see, I actually, one of my neighbors does still get it. I see them every morning. They come and get it. But, uh, you know, some people like that just, just going off. I mean, I like writing things down. I've got a nice new, uh, little electronic tablet I'm testing out and, and going off it. But let me get back to you because. Uh, you mentioned Deep Racer, and I have to tell you, you are one of the reasons I got involved in Deep Racer at Amazon. You are one of the ones that uh, I, I, you know, I thought about it when we were at reInvent. I got a chance to meet up with you. We did some cool pictures, and then I was doing a lot of Deep Racer. I did Deep Racer Underground, and then you commentated on Deep Racer Underground, and which transitioned into this global event that happens all the time, live stream. Uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Well, I mean, it's it it's been one of the amazing things for me to watch the evolution of Deep Racer over its very short lifespan. It was only released at uh, reInvent 2018, so we're coming up only on its third birthday uh, in, in a couple months. And it transformed from what I, when I first saw it, I'm like, that's a curiosity. It's it's interesting, it's fun, but it just kind of felt it, it felt like a toy the first time I saw it. Uh, and then I watched the developers start to play with it. And I watched the, the connections they made and the excitement they put in. And I'm like, this is not a toy. This is a tool. 
And, and it just got so exciting watching how it exploded. And, and then, of course, we all got locked in at home. And John, this you doing the Deep Racer Underground, it for a lot of people became the 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 hub that we could use to to continue to meet in real space, even if our bodies were, you know, locked in our own own bedrooms. So I I, I really was so pleased to be part of it from the beginning uh, when when it started ramping up and and. Now, uh, next week, I'm in Washington, D.C. We've got a live meat space race. I mean, we're going to have people coming into Washington, D.C. Uh, we're going to have live cars on live track. You know, it's we're, we're I'm not going to say we're back to normal, but it's going to be good, at least for a couple of days. I'm looking forward to that, to the uh, what is it? The public summit, correct? Yeah, correct. The, all right. So Blaine, thank you so much for that backstory. And it's really interesting to know where you've come from and where you've transitioned to and now what you're doing as a global public speaking coach, which brings us to our topic, fine tuning of making content matter to the audience. How does that translate into the public speaking coach? How does that translate into your content creating, your curriculum development you've done into you know, all the things that you create? So to, to really explore that, we have to, to drill down into some fundamentals of communication. And for some of you, this is going back to your high school English classes and comms classes in college, perhaps. And, and to understand there are many forms that communication happen in. But the idea is, is there is information on one side and the other side needs to get that information. Now, whether the other side knows they need the information or not, that's now you're into the difference between a, a, a summit talk versus a TV commercial, you know, but in, in either case, it's, it's still, you're trying to get information to pass from one side to another. More specifically, you're trying to get behavior to change from one side to another. And oddly enough, that's the thing most people don't think of when they think about communication. They think about it simply as an information transfer. A common example is a wiki. And, and the whole idea behind a wiki is here's a whole bunch of hopefully vetted data. Let's, let's assume that the wiki you are going to is accurate. And then people that are reading it are looking and gaining whatever details they need. In some cases, it truly is just informational. You know, what is the tallest mountain in Australia? Okay, that's not really going to change my behavior unless I want to climb the tallest mountain in Australia. You know, but beyond that, it's just an interesting fact. If I'm a developer and I'm going to a wiki to find out certain code pieces or I'm going, you know, on Reddit or whatever, you know, now I'm actually looking to change my code. I'm looking to change my behavior. So step one, we think about communication is just that, that bit of transfer. Then we get into the second part of the conversation, which is a human standing in front of another human, physical or virtual, that needs to transfer that information. And what the difference is between that interaction and the previous one that we talked about, which is just the digital, you know, I'm going to go to the source material. I'm going to go ahead and, and go to Stack Overflow and find the code, paste it in, get, get myself running. Why do we want that extra human element there? This is where I come in. Because whenever you're talking about a physical communication, now you're dealing with two brains that are interacting with each other in real time. And how does that information transfer? 
A human speaker is not verbal documentation. And yet, and yet all too often, when I go to tech conferences and I'll throw AWS under the bus as much as every other company I've been to, you get speakers that are very technical and all they're doing is essentially reading documentation to the people that are in the audience. And that wastes everyone's time. This is where I come in to understand why the developers they're sitting at a 400 level class, it's not just to get a bunch of information they could find on Stack Overflow. It's that they want to see new ways to solve problems that aren't just immediately accessible to them, which means the presenter has to know the problems of the audience. And if I can go down to the one most critical thing, and I'm just gonna to, to leave this one hanging here, is as a presenter, if you don't know the problems that your audience has and why they're in front of you, you haven't done your homework enough to start speaking. Okay, now that's interesting because uh, if you go off of that customer obsession, you should be talking to your customers, you should be knowing them and that information. Now, I know you said you're gonna leave that one hanging, so <laughs> I'm just gonna drop there that if you're on the stage and you don't know the answer to that, or you don't know the problems you're solving, I don't think you should be on the stage, correct? You should be. So, you be yeah. So, 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 John, you're absolutely right. So, so th th that kind of is the extension. Now, what I'm not saying is quit your job and become a lumberjack. You know, I, I, I want you, you, the speaker, to be up there speaking. There's a reason you got selected to speak, if in fact that's who I'm talking to right now. But if you haven't done the homework to know why your audience is audiencing, if I can make up a word. <laughs> Let me take that word down and we'll get it into the wiki. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, so if you don't know why the audience is audiencing, you haven't done your job as a speaker to begin speaking. Uh, you, you've, you've got to know their problems. And in some cases, the problems are easy to understand. You are looking at developers who don't realize there's a whole new set of tools over here that can improve their process, improve it compared to what? Now you need to know the contrast. What is their current set looking like? And maybe it's fine. Maybe no one in the audience knows that it can be better. That's a problem in its own self. Simply being able to uplift and improve an existing situation is a good reason for them to be there. The word problem in my vocabulary does a lot of lifting. So Blaine, let me ask you a question going towards, first of all, before I get to my question, I want to ask, you've coached some people for the AWS Summit, the summit that's happening. Okay, let me let me give you a hypothetical, and it doesn't have to be AWS in general, but I come to you, Blaine, and I was like, Blaine, I signed up for public speaking at the summit, right? And I'm going to show this. What kind of advice? How do you walk them through it before they say, hey, listen, I'm going to show this content? Do you say, no, 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 put that down. Let me, let's walk through what you're trying to solve or what, what's the problem, what you're trying to bring to the audience. Walk through the steps on how do I make this an engaging conversation with the audience? So one of the first things I will always do with someone that we're beginning a process with is I start with the question that I kind of raised for y'all right now. Not only who is the audience, but why is the audience? Why are they there? Why are they there for your session in particular? Not why are they there for the conference? Why are they taking 45 minutes, 60 minutes out of their time when they could go to, you know, Jenny's session over there? Jenny's pretty good. Why are they coming to your session and not hers? 
You know, what, what is it that you are offering these people that came to you? And once you clarify that, now I'm looking as far back as title and abstract. Are you being clear as a presenter that this is the problem you're solving, this, this nut right here, so that when people are looking at a conference catalog and they go, oh, Blaine's talking about this. This is my problem. I want to hear about this. I will tell you, those of you that are concerned about making your audience respond better to what you have to say, making sure that only people who want to hear your topic are sitting in your room is a great way to improve your audience response scores. You know, don't, when people say, oh, my talk is for everyone. I'm like, really? I've got a, you know, marketing manager here who, who manages, you know, asphalt and parking lots. Do they need to hear your talk? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, so we at least know they're out of your list and I, I'm, I'm being ridiculous, but I'm not being ridiculous. Un but it's serious. I mean, you, you are definitely saying my talk is for everyone. And I, I actually, you know what, I got to take that as a note because I think I've said that once or twice in my career. I can't say I've said it recently where it's for everyone. No, 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 no. Seriously. Is it for everyone around the world or is it for specific people utilizing that product? It's a good point. I, I, I work, I work uh, tangentially. I, I, I work in parallel with people that help out with the keynote address. And, and let me tell you, if you've never seen uh, corporate keynote addresses, they are an amazing process to work. There's so much talent that goes into it. I mean, you see the, the CEO up on stage presenting, but you've got the video production team and you've got the editors and all this staff designed to really tell the message of the company those are pretty much the only presentations that someone says, this is for everyone at the conference. I'll go, yes, the keynote address is for everyone at the conference. And let me tell you, they spend months workshopping with these executives to make sure that they are saying a message that truly is for everyone. Your 400 level session by definition is not for everyone. So knowing the specifics of your audience and then tailoring the abstract to say this session will address companies looking to leverage additional machine learning techniques using reinforcement learning in ways that will allow them to have machines that teach themselves how to do new processes as opposed to other types. So, so I'm being extremely specific. And now people who show up know exactly the kinds of problems I'm going to be talking about, which means if I do nothing else, I'm dealing with an audience who cares about my talk. That alone raises the communication level. Let me give you an example with uh, some of the key, not the keynotes, by the way, the keynote where you defined and said that the keynote is for everyone at the conference. The key word is at the conference, not everyone around the world. Very clear. I, I do have to note that you did mention that. Um, so now say I'm going to, uh, there's a 300 level course and I'm just going to say it's around security and governance. Shouldn't you be a little more specific around security and governance of what or what product? Is it all of the, say the console, all of AWS? And I'm trying to be generic a little bit because your public speaking goes for everything and not just AWS. Uh, that's why you're a global public speaking coach. It's, it's guidance for it. So how do I center my, not only my description, because that is very key. When I, when I do a workshop, I want to make sure that my description gets those, the right people into the seats. But should I be really specific on what I'm trying to do within that description and to get those people in the seats? 
So, so the, the simple answer is yes. The, the more specific you can be, I mean, don't, don't write a, you know, you don't put your entire presentation in the abstract. You don't, you're not allowed that many words, uh, but you want to be very specific. We are going to talk about compliance from the perspectives of auditors dealing with a, a range of different auditing structures, such as PCI compliance or SOC 1, 2, and 3, and making sure that you've got the right uh, artifacts to deliver to them. And we're going to explain how AWS makes that simple for your support team to help out your auditors. Okay. Uh, now for me as an audience member, I'm thinking, okay, so I, if all I care about is getting the right security groups and my network ACLs locked down properly, I'm not really into the whole artifacts thing. So maybe I'm going to go to this other session over here or yeah, I'm a network security manager and they're always asking me for details. Okay. I probably need to come and see this one. And so now it's very specific to me, but if it's simply a, how to be secure on AWS, okay, we, we put security in everything we do. It's job zero. So you're right. That, that is such a wide ranging thing. Unless it's a 100 level, learn about the fundamentals of how AWS secures all the things, which if I'm a deep dive network engineer, I'm not going to go to that class either. But that's not going to be what I need. So the, the clearer you can be about where you are, it helps both people. First of all, it helps you as the content creator, because now you're not trying to show all the things. Now I'm being very specific. Now I'm talking to a single through line. The session almost writes itself now. Act one, define the problem. You've got auditors. They are looking for these things. Where do I find the things? Act two, here are the things. Here's where you get them. Act three, here's what's coming with more things. So it, it becomes a very easy transition and people going there, have, they've got the clear takeaways. You've defined the problem. You've given them a solution. I know what I want. That's a five-star presentation. Check. Notice I'm not even talking about being entertaining. This is one of the huge misconceptions people have in tech conferences when they go, boy, Blaine was boring, but Jenny was interesting. It's because Jenny was talking to your problems and Blaine wasn't. More often than not, I can absolutely tear things apart and you will find an entertaining speaker that may not get that good scores or at the very least wasn't effective, didn't change audience behavior because it was just fun. It never addressed my problem. That's key. That's critical. All right. So you mentioned a couple of interesting parts. Uh, by the way, I, I had a public speaking coach early on in the summer, and we talked about Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. So you kind of outline them. Here's Act 1. Here's Act 2A and Act 2B, because you have the climax, you go down, and then Act 3. Now, let's talk a little bit more about it, because one of the things that the coach kind of talked to me about is, you know, really kind of opening up and telling that story, getting the getting the audience sitting with you, really getting them feel for what you're feeling. Say I've defined specifically my problem and now I have the right audience in the seat. Do you tell people that are speaking that they should open up with a general story? I mean, is opening critical? Let's just ask that question. How important is the opening before I say, oh, I'm done, I'm, I'm out of here? Yeah, so so as as humans, the cold open absolutely drives the flavor for the entire presentation. Um, it, it's 
it's the one part in how our brains work where we always pay attention. And part of that has to do with back when evolutionary days when we were all lizards and you'd go into a brand new beach. And the first thing you're doing is you're looking around trying to see who wants to eat me, you know, or, or is there something I would like to eat? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple when life's a lizard uh, as humans, oddly enough, we've not evolved past that. So when I sit as an audience member in a session, those first three to five minutes, I'm on alert. The little back of my brain that still exists from the lizard days, the amygdala, the hippocampus, it's evaluating, it's evaluating threats. We don't think of it that way, but it's trying to figure out, does this matter? Is this important? And now as a presenter, if I can tap into that native unconscious attention, for example, by telling a story specifically around the problems. You know, I, I want to tell you, tell you a story about a, a team I recently consulted with, and they were having security issues. And it wasn't they were having security issues. They were having issues proving that they didn't have security issues. Now, how many of you in the audience have had similar things where you know you're locked down? You might be a network engineer. You know you're locked down. But now someone says, hey, give me these artifacts. Prove to me you're locked down. And you go, but it's locked down. I can, I can give you the log files. What do you want from me? Wouldn't it be nice if you had something where you could just walk to the boardroom, drop it down to them and say, hey, this is everything you need. And the auditors all nod their heads and go, yes, that's everything we need. Well, let me tell you how we're going to make that happen for you. So that's a narrative. Notice that the story I began with, I didn't go into mega detail. I didn't tell a lot about it. Truth is, I just made that up 30 seconds ago. Never happened to me. I mean, it did, but that's beside the point. It's, it's it, being able to simply frame a conversation that the audience goes, okay, the story's familiar to me. Pivot the story. So I'm now talking about you specifically in the audience. And now the back of the brain goes, says, oh, presenter is talking about me. This is me. This is all I care about. And that little self-centered part of your lizard brain that is still with us today is now engaged and you have purchased their attention. Maybe not for the full 45 minutes, but you certainly have them enough to get a clean start. Okay, Blaine, you said you just made that story up. But I was actually very, I was engrossed into that story. That 30-second story you provided, I'm thinking to myself, I've been in that situation. Wait a second. I needed that content. Wait, wait a second. And I actually felt, I mean, awesome job there of making it up because I felt engrossed into that story in just the matter of seconds that you presented it. Well, and, and but th this, this is what comes from practice. And the, the, the next big thing then that I tell people that we're coaching is, why are you going up there cold? You know, and I've had people say, well, I don't want to peer rehearsed. And I said, cool. So your words change when your audience looks at you funny. I expect that. But what I do want you to know is what's your cold open? When you get up there, the first three minutes, you're not getting any reactions from the audience except them kind of shuffling around and making sure they're in the right seat. So how are you capturing their attention? What is your thing? And this can be rehearsed over and over and you practice it in the shower and you teach your cats I've got a wonderful cat. Uh, cat could, Ezra could probably pass the solutions architect exam. I mean, because I all I do is I teach him. If I can keep his attention, then I'm doing all right. But without that practice, then you sometimes get stuck, and then you fall back to this is what my slide says. I'm going to read my slide, and now you've become verbal documentation. When we talk about being a storyteller, it's about knowing what you have to share 
knowing how it solves your audience's problems and then just making them flow together. I think that goes hand in hand where you know about what you're presenting, but you're passionate about what you're presenting and it doesn't come across rehearsed when you do it. Think about it, Blink. And I do the same thing. In fact, I probably talk to my camera more often than people realize. And I'm, when I, I record myself just trying to see the opening, before we do any show, I probably take 10, 15 minutes and I walk through my opening and be like, what am I presenting? Who am I introducing? Why? It changes. I actually just come across and it looks natural. Yeah, there's a couple of words. It's not, it might be scripted to start, but as I do it for the 15th or 20th time when we do the introduction, it's all natural. And I think the audience likes that. They know exactly where they, they get the feel for your passion and how you're presenting. Uh, and it, I just think it provides a natural uh, content. I'll just use that. I want to go back to one of the first questions that I asked you here. Why are the people in front of you audiencing? One of the primary reasons is they came to see you. They didn't come for verbal documentation. They came to hear what you bring to the table that's unique. Now, understanding that is part of the battle. Oh, when you say you, are you, you talking to me? <laughs> uh, Blade, you know what? This is, this is awesome conversation. I know we're going over in time, but I find this so valuable. And I, we're just, we're going to continue on and, you know, drive some more of the conversation. All right. So let, let's backtrack here a little bit. We said what our problem is. All right. You know what you're trying to present. You're going in there, who your audience is. You have the right audience in the seat. You have the cold uh, opener that you labeled it. By the way, I did take notes on the cold opener because I find that really important. If you don't capture them in the first few minutes, you're going to see all those people get up out of their seats and walk away or disconnect from virtual. All right. I know my content now. I have all that. What's next? I mean, I, it seems like if I have all these, I'm nailing it. So, so, so now we get into performance aspects. So we, we've worked the content. The content is, is audience focused. It's problem focused. You've got the cold open. And now we take a look at the fact that you're delivering a 45 minute presentation and no human today is engineered to simply sit and listen to someone drone at them for 45 minutes, unless it is wildly critical to their survival. For example, if you happen to be military and someone up in front of you is giving you the daily briefing of how you're going to stay alive today and during today's operations, you will focus just fine. Nobody has to tell you, you know, put down your phone. This matters. Your brain knows if I don't listen to this, I will die. It's hard to tell people you better understand how to configure security groups or you will die. Doesn't work. I've tried that in class. Uh, nobody seems to buy it. It depends um, on who you talk to on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, it's, but, but the truth is, is the audience, they want to be there, but the brains naturally check out. And this again is an unfortunate result of biology. Um, fun fact for, for you and your viewers. Um, did you know that the only organ in the human body that does not have direct blood supply is the human brain. In fact, we, we talk about the blood brain barrier. There's blood all around the brain, but it doesn't go through the brain. It goes to this little, little membrane here. If, and, and this is, I don't mean to, to, to make any light of it, but if any of you know uh, someone or hopefully not you who have had an infant who has had a breach of the blood brain barrier, 
this is a bad thing and you never want that to happen. Um, if your liver works too hard because of something you did, um, your, your liver just gets more blood pumping through it. The same thing with your lungs or, you know, your gallbladder. I mean, whatever it is, the, all these organs, if they work too hard, the blood goes in there, actually cools it down. It's, it's nature's uh, liquid coolant. Your brain is a literal CPU. Uh, as your neurons fire off, it burns calories. It heats up. Organs in our body don't like to get too hot. And if your brain overheats, or more specifically, if your audience's brain overheats because you're telling them amazing information and it's interesting and they go, wow, this is really cool. And their brain starts to get hot. The thermostat in the brain fires off and it asks that little lizard in the back of your brain, hey, does this matter to me? Because if it doesn't, you're getting too hot and time to turn off. How many of you watching about 20, 30 minutes into your 45 minute presentation, all of a sudden you see heads just turning down, looking at their phone. They, they, they just check out. It's not that you suddenly became uninteresting at that moment. In fact, in many cases, it's the opposite. You were telling good data, brains were keeping up and all of a sudden brains overheated and the thermostat fires off and the brain shuts down. How, 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 do, you, how do you get around this? So this is what people mistake for entertainment. If you can find ways to reset the timer, reset the clock inside the brain, when the thermostat check fires off, the lizard goes, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but something matters out there. It's important. Keep burning the calories. Keep paying attention. I'm good. Yeah, we were hurting, but keep on there. So now is where you find ways to engage the audience. This is where, raise your hand. How many of you have done problem X? Well, I've done problem X. Okay, that matters to me. The lizard goes, this is my problem. Pay attention. Stop talking. If you, if you, just, if you just take a breath every now and then, the lizard gets a chance to catch up and evaluate what's happening and go, oh, this, this matters to me. What's the next question? Where are we going with this? And if, if in fact, it's a small customer engagement, you might actually get an audience question. Wow, wouldn't that be nice if you're having a customer conversation to have a conversation with your customer? If it's a large scale group, this after the pause is where you can then ask the rhetorical question. Now, some of you may be thinking, what about this? Cool. That, that's again, that's a different way to make me the individual, me, the lizard brain feel I'm part of it. When the thermostat fires off, now I'm going to push through it. I'm going to be part of it. And so thinking about how are you going to help your audience across the finish line is where the three act play comes in. It's where breaking things up into beats. Current neurology studies say human attention span is three minutes. I don't believe that anymore. That was back in, you know, in MTV level studies. I think those studies are outdated in a TikTok world. I think you've got 60 seconds before you've got to somehow find something new that brings people back in. I'm sorry. I, I paused there because some of the things you mentioned is the power of the pause is stop. 
it's okay. I, I think it's our natural ability that when there is dead air, we're, we're supposed to fill it. But if you stop and you allow it to sink in and you allow the information to come out, then you're able to, like you said, you know, uh, come back with a rhetorical question or come back with another question or engagement and really keep the audience engaged. So through this journey that we're discussing with everybody for fine-tuning of making content matter to the audience, we've talked about act one, act two, and then act three. What's left? So, so that, then it's the big close. Then, it, then it's the grand finish. And especially for those of you that are looking to create content for conferences where you've been given a 45-minute slot, at minute 43, you lose your audience. I wish that wasn't true, but at the 43 minute mark, all of a sudden people are, their alarms are going off. Get ready for your next session, CHP 2200. And, and they're already thinking about where they have to go and where's the next building I've got to go to. So anything that's important you want to share, it's too late if you only have two minutes left to go before the bell goes. I've been to some of y'all's session where you try to teach past the bell. Ain't nobody listening past the bell. <laughs> um, you, you absolutely need to be timing your presentation uh, so that you're speaking at a normal rate. I'm not crushing things down. I'm doing what I need to do with two or three minutes left to go. I'm wrapping things up. I'm doing my final call to action. Don't forget, this is where you go to get this. More information, here's the link. Here's my Twitter address. You can find me all at Blaine Sundred or whatever information you need to know. Uh, and, and by the way, that actually is uh, my Twitter address. So you can go ahead find that right there. Feel free to go ahead and contact with me anytime you want. Um, but hit whatever you need and then get off the stage. Let people fill out their surveys. Let people walk around, but let people have a good wrap up. Let your words ring before the clock, clock rings. That's it. Rehearsing the final close is as important as the cold open. Okay, a true professional there, Blaine, on the Twitter pop-up. Uh, I do that stuff all the time. In fact, I want to throw in just a little bit of stuff. If you want to take a look up here on some Deep Racer events that Blaine was part of for the Deep Racer Underground, the entire year last year during the pandemic, we raced it here in my basement. Now, coming back to it, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and the notification because Blaine popped that up, and I just felt the power to do that based off his conversation. Blaine, you've captured me the entire conversation. I have taken as much notes as possible. I'm glad it's recorded because I want to take some of this into my show, The Daily Tech Show. But before I ask you the final question, do you have anything else you'd like to tell the audience on how to fine tune and really make that content matter? Because we didn't actually talk about content in general. We talked about presenting as a speaker, which I think that person is the content, correct? You, and, and John, I think you kind of summarized up the, the point that, that we didn't explicitly say that you are the difference. The material is probably available online somewhere. If someone does enough searching over enough days, you know, people can teach themselves all the things. Um, you're there to be the curator. You're there to be the one that puts things together in a thread that matters to the audience. So understanding that, understanding that they're here to see you, that they're here to understand what you bring to the table, and, and then have that conversation with the audience. That's the most critical part to content. Thank you, Blaine. I really appreciate it. Okay. So the last question I have for you, and this is a very tough question to ask, but I find it valuable 
I would love your feedback on the Daily Tech Show and what I'm doing and maybe possible suggestions for improvement. And I don't care if you tell me I suck because this recording is still going out, suck or not. Uh, but I always want to improve and make sure that I am bringing the audience valuable content. And I've changed some things up drastically and made sure that I do a really good job on the description to get the right audience in the seat. So, Blaine, I'm going to give you the open floor. Nothing's going to be edited. Everything. Tell me good or bad. So one of the things I love uh, about the Daily Tech Show, being able to, to come in here, being able to bring new voices in, this is what helps people out. Uh, and I'm going to say, don't be afraid to keep reaching out and bringing in people from other industries. I come from a theater world, and now I'm embedded in the tech world. Uh, it, it is surprising to me how many, I'm going to use the word unicorns because that's a word a lot of people use, but how many of these non-traditional uh, backgrounds people can come into that can directly affect me in my little world. I, I, I don't just want to hear from people in, in my envelope. I want to hear from the widest range possible. And, and I think that's going to be one of the best things the tech show has moving forward is don't be afraid to not talk tech. Ah, uh, yes, very true. And in fact, uh, do we talk tech at all? We talk presenting today, right? Uh, so that's, a, that's the whole premise behind it. It may be called the daily tech show, but we are bringing valuable information to the audience that are in the right seats or virtually in the right seats. Uh, Blaine, anything else for me? I mean, I am looking for anything open and all. I love improving and I'm thinking I'm trying to do that year over year. Just, just keep reaching out and, and going outside of your comfort zone. Find something new you've never done before. Uh, meet people you've never met. Try to figure out you know, what, what they're interested in. The more touch points you've had, it's why diversity, inclusion, and equity matter because you've got to have different perspectives. That's critical. Awesome, Blaine. Thank you for the valuable information. Thank you so much for bringing everybody on our topic, fine-tuning of making content matter to the audience from AWS Global Public Speaking Coach, Blaine Sundred. Blaine, thank you for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Always. Can't wait to be back. Talk to you soon. Yes, everybody. Thank you for watching The Daily Tech Show. I'm your host, John Meyer. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and the notification because we have more awesome content on the way.